0: welcome to the rural slp podcast my name is jocelyn woodrum and i am the rural slp this podcast will be an ongoing conversation about the challenges in the workplace when you work in multiple locations make sure you join the facebook group the rural slp to be part of the conversation welcome back to the rural slp podcast this episode is talking a bit about the roller coaster of working in the sniffs. There's probably a roller coaster in other settings, but this is the one I have seen it the most obvious uh, and the most consistent where there's always you're either a feast or famine you're in the high or the low. Uh, and it's very rapid change. Uh, you can be anticipating it to be a really busy week. And then all of a sudden everybody's coming off of therapy, uh, for whatever reason, um, or the opposite, you're low, your caseload's really low. And so you're, you're screening like crazy to try to get some, uh, caseload. And all of a sudden there is an influx of patients for whatever reason. <laughs> So we're going to talk a little bit about, um, the way I've handled that feast or famine. Uh, and I would always, as always, I would love to hear more ideas from you in our Facebook group, the rural SLP, the pros and cons of taking PR in positions. When you're in those famine, those rapid changes is a big problem sometimes, Uh, you can be planning on doing PRN and then all of a sudden you get hit with a influx of admissions or screen positive screens or whatever happens. It depends. It, it, it varies. Or you at your full-time position, you're asked all of a sudden to go and cover for the other speech therapist, you know, and it's an hour drive and because they're on maternity leave or something, I don't know. Uh, lots of different things, but there's, there's always that feast and famine. And then there's always that lack of knowing when it's going to happen. I remember uh, earlier in my career, I was trying to explain to my mom, who was watching my kids for some reason that for a particular week. And I was trying to explain to her that I am anticipating about an eight hour day. And then like calling or texting her later on saying that I had evaluations. And so that, that ended up having to, I had an emergency evaluation. So that ended up changing. And I remember trying to explain that to her before it happened. And then once it happened, she was like, Oh, now I understand why you're never sure what time you're going to be home. <laughs> and so, you know, like I can plan. Yeah, I feel like that's been, I can plan like crazy, but we are when we are working for a medical field in the medical field, we are tied to the needs of the patients, so we don't always have those choices. I have not seen the feast or famine uh, fluctuation in the schools because it's the schools, that it's just a different world, it's a different animal. Has as far as home health, I really don't know. So, if uh, one of you is a home health therapist, I would love to hear. Your thoughts on this? Does this happen in the home health setting? And same for acute care. I I've actually never worked in acute care, so I'm not familiar with that one either. And I would love to hear your thoughts. Um, Another way to handle some of that famine time is when appropriate and appropriate for the patient, and when it's ethical always be ethical in your services. Adjust your minutes. I guess this one could actually work for in the times of feast as well. Like when, when the, when you're at the top of the roller coaster and you're overwhelmed, the patients that you can maybe group or now that we're allowed to do groups <laughs> and assuming that your building is able to do groups as well. Uh, Cause I know that, you know, yeah, I was just PRN In a building and just recently that had uh, some cases of COVID again. So they were not doing groups again. So yeah, adjusting minutes up or down, depending on what's appropriate for the patients. If it's a person, if it's a person that I have, you know, swallowing and cognition goals for, I like to do a minimum of 40 minutes, but it is perfectly appropriate to do longer than that, to do a longer cognition session is absolutely ethical. And doing some therapy in the patient's room and then maybe doing some therapy um, with meals is also appropriate. Doing those uh, therapy exercises that depending on the patient's situation, of course, is it is appropriate to do that and doing more of it is certainly not. If it's appropriate for the patient, then do it. <laughs> if you're in those times of famine, you might have to explain yourself some to your company, but it's we have documentation to prove that this is appropriate all over the place. So yes, I had one um, program director come to me and say something to me about my schedule. Uh, she, it was kind of a weird situation. She really didn't know much about speech. They had never had a speech therapist in the building full time. Um, it's been a couple years since before that they had. Um, another speech therapist in the building full time. And, uh, she was fairly new to the role of program director as well. And she, um, she said something to me. Um, I had only been there a couple of days and she's like, well, you guys only do 15 minute sessions. Right. And I was like, we can, but it's not necessarily the best thing for the patient. (laughs) So she was thinking, you know, if I had a person on caseload, I was only doing 15 minute sessions. Well, Very rarely is it appropriate to only do a 15-minute session. It might be an occasion that you do that, but not every single session either. So yeah, of course, adjust those minutes when it's appropriate and when it's ethical. And that goes for both ways, more or less. If you have those patients that are maybe a little trickier, you might want to see them more often with shorter sessions. That's another option for, uh, for those. Triaging in times of feast. I've had to do this a few times when I was the only therapist in the building and I was managing a very high caseload. And I basically had to say if it was a less urgent case for, you know, I'd have to decide which ones were most critical and which ones were least critical, less critical in that time and make those calls. And it's unfortunate that we have to do that. Make sure your program director knows that you're doing that so that they can either one, get you some help or two, it starts to show them that there is a justification for another therapist to be hired in that building. I was able to prove the need for a second speech therapist in that building because of, it started as a part-time position, but it it ended up increasing to a full-time position because we were able to show the need for it. That that building had a lot of rehab to home cases so that we were consistently uh, able to have, you know, fairly full caseloads for the both of us. Overtime. Let's talk about overtime. I personally, I like getting a little bit over of overtime. It is draining on you though. So you need to be aware of that. This is in times of the feast, (laughs) when, when things are very high, high in demand, I am okay with getting some overtime. At the same time, you also need to be very aware of what you and your family can handle. And you need to be willing to say no, when uh, it's no longer appropriate for you. And that has been hard a hard lesson for me to learn in my career, Over my career. Yeah. We have to be advocates for ourselves because if we get burnt out, that's when we start seeing speech therapists deciding that it that is no longer the field for them and they end up quitting. And that's unfortunate. I mean, I'm very passionate about our career, about speech therapy. I love what we do. I love the people that we help. Uh, but it's also really important that we're not burning ourselves out. And yeah, talking to your program directors, this is more based on nursing homes, of course. Uh, And some were very anti me getting overtime. And so that was a really struggle because then I had to adjust minutes and maybe not always the ethical way. It, It then i've also had jobs where i had no problem with me getting overtime as long as my productivity was in a reasonable range and it, and it wasn't one of those that were like 95 it was i think 80 85% which wasn't too bad not always easy but not too bad but you know when you're really really busy i think when you have a full caseload it's actually easier to get better productivity than when you are only in a building for a very short period of time so that's something that's something i should have talked about in my productivity episode which was one of the first 10 episodes, I think. Oh, this is episode 20. Hello. Crazy. So we definitely want to make sure that we're not overworking ourselves and manage trying to manage those caseloads as well as we can. Um, but sometimes those feasts are great because we need that extra income for whatever reason. Sometimes those famines are great because we have just come off of a really hard feast period of time and we are burnt out and we need a little bit of a break i feel like it does kind of all even out in the end if you look at overall averages but yeah where there's definitely those feasts and famines so if you've experienced these feast and famine times um i'd like to hear a little bit about that um i've talked about it in a couple of buildings i've been in about you know therapy's a roller coaster you know always up and down uh it's it's not the traditional nine to five job. And then if we're in the rural settings and we're the only speech therapist, we're traveling around several buildings that just makes it that much more, uh, challenging at times. All right. I think that's everything for today. I will see you guys next time. Check out the Facebook group, the rural SLP and, uh, I am still doing those coffee chats. And I also have a free gift for SNF working therapists, um, PRN and full-time. If you're in multiple buildings, even it is something I wish I had when I started working in PRN and in nursing homes, just a list of questions because I had so many tours given to me by uh, non SLPs and they didn't have they didn't know what questions I should be asking. <laughs> and so it took me a little while. It took me like a couple jobs to figure out, okay, I need to be asking these questions. Even within the same company and the same administrator, I would get different answers for things like how paperwork was to be handled screens or, uh, orders, diet orders, for example. Um, so I thought that was really interesting and strange that, it would be that different across buildings. So I created this and it's something I will print out for myself on my next assignments um, in the future. And yes, that's at my website, jocelynwoodrum.com. And I mentioned this in the last episode that I have a summit coming. I have several interviews lined up. So it is happening there is a possibility it will have to be pushed out a little bit just so I have time to get everything edited, but it is happening. So watch out for that. And that will, there will be more information on that in future episodes. All right. I will see you guys next time. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes and is not a replacement for ASHA code of ethics, employer, Medicare, Medicaid and health insurance policies and procedures, and it is your responsibility to provide ethical and evidence-based therapy.